warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. the Real Britannia podcast, the very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, Scott here as usual. At the other end of a Skype lineup in York, it's Stephen. Good morning. Morning, Mayor. How are you doing this uh, fine I'm, morning? I'm just saying good morning. I'm just realising it's the afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, this this is how <laughs> professional this show actually is. Uh, yeah. All well, good, we're about to bring in the hint of professionalism. It's the only reason we invite him. It's Mark from the Good, the Bad, and the Podcast. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> a yeah, welcome that's a return. Professional. I'm professional. Yes. <laughs> a welcome return, mate. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah. Pretty good. I do love these little meetings. I feel like one of the witches in Macbeth. When shall we three meet again? Yeah. I think, I think <laughs> yeah. a double double toilet trouble. Yeah, all that. I feel, but it's cozy, right? So it's it great. is. It's just a welcome addition to the Real Britannia family, mate. I mean, you've been on four, about three times, four times possibly now. Yeah. I might be almost as many I'm as Tony. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And it is the original co host. Bless him. Today. We're going to rattle through this today. It's it's a big topic to cover, but I just think we can give it a general overview, guys. I've selected two movies today from the Children's Film Foundation. And there's a bit of a method in my madness. The, the first one being, A, I wanted to talk about the Children's Film Foundation in general and that whole Saturday morning pictures experience from the 50s, the 60s, going into the 70s. Uh, Stephen's experience of that is going to be slightly different because he's just that little bit younger than Mark and myself. And then the other reason I've picked two movies is mainly a technical one. Um, Stephen and I realised <laughs> that when we were coming up to our 50th episode, Mark, um, mm-hmm. we'd only recorded 49 movies. We'd reviewed 49 Ooh. movies because what we'd done, episode 007, I put out a James Bond documentary that I'd done for Real Britannia, uh, for Rainbow Valley. Right. So we're out of sync with the number of movies to the number of episodes. By you coming on board, mate, so this is the only reason you're here. The, the, the yeah. <laughs> so that we can now, you know, when we get to episode 100 in a couple of months' time, it will be our 100th movie. So that, that's that's fine. that's very OCD of you. <laughs> you have your uses, you see. It, it buzzes up my letterbox <laughs> list and everything when we go to look at it. So that, that is the only reason, not because we want to come, you know, have you come here and talk to us, mate? That was for sure. So right, so this one's a rarity. You don't do usually do two films, then, right? Well, you've never, well, never. done two films, and, and you never do it again. No, because we'll have the same problem. Not mistake again. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Children's Film Foundation in general. I mean, what do we know about it, guys? I mean, let's go to Stephen very quickly with his, you know, thoughts because there's no real memories of Saturday Morning Pictures and Children's Film Foundation in that respect for you, mate. Is there? No, I have to admit that although. I was aware of its existence. I didn't really know a lot about it until you broached the subject uh, however long ago it was this year. Mm. 
And I had, I had a look into it and had a bit of a read up on just um, like BFI's got um, some quite good synopsis of its history sort of thing, and it's it's um, very clear that you're you you write about its actual significance to um, British cinema that it's drawn in a lot of early names for people who acting wise and and directors who uh, went on to other things and also bringing in some people who are already established who decided to dip their toes and the way in which it started out and then became you know more culturally re- relevant you know um, reflecting rather than initially trying to direct attitudes but it, it absolutely right that the attention is drawn to it for me I didn't have the experience of seeing it at the cinema the, those um, matinees <laughs> that yourself yourself did Scott I mean I, I you know I wasn't I wasn't um, born in the 50s when it started so you, you had that on me do you mind um, <laughs> um, certainly I, I, having looked through like some of the list of titles and and um, synopsis of some of the the, the the ones it does seem that some of them I, I did have encountered perhaps in in the early 80s on like BBC two or um, on a maybe a Saturday afternoon or mm-hmm. Sunday morning or, or whatever um, been shown or during the the half term holidays at Easter or something definitely so, done. Um, yeah. they are a bit more f- familiar to me than I originally expected but mm. certainly the full experience which you too hard <laughs> actually in the cinema it was something that um I, I missed out on so you'll have to tell me what that was like we'll, we'll, we'll sit down we'll tell you all about the war son here we go <laughs> right. to tell me <laughs> during the war <laughs> you rocking chair scott yeah and with your I, blanket over yeah i am sitting here in my big comfy chair talking to my dear friend mark about fond distant <laughs> memories you're quite right Stephen. they were repeated Late 80s, early 90s on BBC One, they had a Friday afternoon film strand and it was literally all just Children's Film Foundation stuff. For Mark and I, I think we were at that golden age of late 60s, mainly through the 70s for me. It sort of hit its peak, didn't it, Mark? I think the actual Saturday morning pictures phenomenon in the mid-60s, wasn't it? I think it would be safe to say. Did it really? Because mm. it seemed pretty live. Probably, yes, probably. Mm. But it was still kind of felt very strong. While you were in it, it felt like oh, it yeah. was still going pretty strong. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it didn't... I, if I remember rightly, it didn't. It wasn't like the cinema stopped. It's just I got a bit old for it or something. Yeah. But I could be wrong. The mayor just stopped it. I, I really can't remember. My memory of it is... For me, I started going mid to late 70s. Oh, right. I was early 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was sort of 75 onwards. But my sort of memory of it was, yes, I got, you know, secondary school came about. You know, once you hit 11, you don't want to be going to Saturday morning pictures with the kids. You know, you're obviously doing your grown up things. But also around about that time, the BBC, as, as, as it does typically for most things to do with, the, you know, the cinema, ruined it for everybody with Saturday morning TV. You know, Swap Shop came along, Tiz was arrived. So kids weren't actually going out to the Saturday morning pictures. It was a real tradition, Mark. I just remember it was, you know, it was your chance to get away from the parents on a Saturday morning with your pocket money. And yeah. because you were in town, you'd pop into town and, you know, hang about with your mates afterwards. Yeah, I was quite young when I went, so mm. I th- I was more dropped off. Uh, um, an older boy used to take me, who was at my school. Yeah. He was a couple of years older than me, but we got on really well at the pictures. Weirdly, we went to the same school and we never talked at school. There you never. Go. Yeah. Which is weird, right? Yeah. But we always talked at the Saturday morning pictures. So my mum found some 
kid who was willing to <laughs> chaperone me, as it were. So he was like a couple of years older than me. So I started when I was about six or um, seven, and probably yeah. up to nine. That's eight or nine. That was Did he have to be paired? To... I don't know. I've no idea. <laughs> the, only, the weird thing is, we got on very well, but I do remember distinctly we never, I don't think we really, at primary school, we just didn't talk to the other years at That's all. That's true. That is true. Certainly, when you were younger than you know, when you're in the fourth, or the top year, it's a bit different. You can slap around the juniors, you know, but <laughs> but you would never willingly talk to someone from a different year. Usually, no. uh, the younger years maybe because you were, you know, you could mm. laugh at them and sort of say, "You don't know what this," you know, some horrible thing is. Do you want to see this? That's, That's all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so I used to go with an older kid, and it, yeah, um, and I do remember I have very fond memories. It was only mm. ever to one cinema, which was I think it was an Odeon, Tutti Broadway Odeon, yeah. which was massive. Yeah. And you know what? I think what might have stopped it is they converted it into a multiplex. That's the other thing I, I think was going to say. Might be it because it was massive, but it was full of kids. Yeah, like um, you know, Gremlins, Steve. You know, Gremlins, <laughs> that bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it was like that. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think the gremlins worse. were better behaved. Yeah, it, <laughs> I did read that. Mm. I did read that the um, that at a certain point there was uh, an idea within the, the the push from those that were um, behind and directing that the the film foundation that the put the directors of the actual films pushed them more to have a heavier emphasis on on action or at least stuff happening on screen physically rather than dialogue because they were aware <laughs> that a lot of dialogue yeah. would get lost because of the noise of of kids being oh, yeah. all together in the cinema so you yes. had to it had to be something you could just watch even though you couldn't hear what was being said yeah. so you, uh, you that fits fits exactly with what i've been led to <laughs> yeah believe. it was it was noisy and there was like uh if you could afford popcorn there was popcorn getting thrown about yep. but if you couldn't we used to take paper and chew it and oh. throw it <laughs> at each other it must have been disgusting for the cleaners honestly. i can yeah. imagine that the poor old cinema manager of the time and for me it was an odeon as well mate abc had their own version didn't they and coronet cinemas and all of those yeah shows. um I can imagine that the poor old manager of each cinema dreaded Saturday morning and it would be something he'd deputise out to his assistant manager. It would be like, look, I've done my time. You've got to be here Saturday mornings to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, Stephen, if you could imagine, and as Mark said, the age group went from five up to about 11, I'd say. It, was, it wasn't anything older than 11 I could, I could remember. But a couple of hundred kids... Just a couple of hundred right. kids, at pretty much just locked in and left alone, <laughs> apart from the odd, very harassed usherette, usher yeah. or usherette yeah. running up down the aisles saying, don't do it, you know, if they were having a fight or something. Yep. But mostly it was mayhem. Yeah. yeah. I'm imagining a lot of the flies. So, yeah. Yeah, much. a bit of that. A bit of that, but with sweets. Yeah. So worse, <laughs> yeah. right? And bits of paper. And yeah. Chewed up. And, and just to give you some idea, Stephen, it wasn't just we'd go and watch a a movie from the Children's Film Foundation. There would be cartoons, Mark, wouldn't there? There would be a serial. Yeah. There would, you know, that's where the Flash Gordon stuff was still being Flash shown Gordon's. for the 30s. Yeah, I love Flash Gordon. Yeah. Um, and occasionally it was, um, or was it um, the other one, Buck Rogers. Buck but Rogers. usually it was yeah. Flash Gordon. And I'm not convinced they actually ever showed showed them in the right order. I don't think I they did. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's like, no. oh yeah, I want to see the end of that one and next week it'll be a different one. Or the same. Like, well, the same that one. wasn't yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. They, they had no concept of the sequence of running, you know, the running order. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Our one was a Flash Gordon. It mm. was uh, almost always uh, a Woody Woodpecker yes. cartoon or that type of one. Chili Willy. Chili Willy. You know, the penguin yeah. was, was big. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then it'd be some movie which was often either a uh, Children's Film Foundation or some American B movie that was kind of from the 60s. Yeah. You could tell it was old. If you were really lucky, they put on something spectacular like Seven Voyages Sinbad. But Very mostly mm-hmm. it was yeah. the movies I've, I have I don't know the names of and I've never seen again. And a few I've tried to work out what they are and never got to the bottom of it. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? The stuff that was there. I mean, if we, we sat down the kids today and said, yeah, this is what we watched on a Saturday morning, they'd laugh. You know, Yeah, I remember... Yeah. Very occasionally. We had episodes of Here Come the Double Deckers, the TV show. Yeah, Double Deckers, exactly. There was another one called The Magnificent Six and a Half. Mm. I might, that might be from the telly. I might got that wrong, but definitely saw the Double Deckers on a big screen now and again. Good, because I thought that was just me, one of those wild, crazy memories that I had that nobody else remembers. Good. Oh, the Double Deckers are so good. Yeah, excellent. I think it probably still stand up. I haven't watched one in years, but I'm pretty sure it'd still stand up. I think they're on YouTube. It's, It's got that please serve vibe. Um, it definitely has, um, bit, yeah. yeah, and a bit of it's like a British, um, uh, uh puff and stuff. Oh, Maybe that's that's a same bit too era? fantastic, but yeah, but same era, um, color, you know, because it was it was yeah. great to see something in color. Even then, Stephen, you know, even in you know the mid seventies that me and Mark are talking about here. They were showing us black and white movies. Champion the Wonder Horse might have appeared at one point or something like that, and. Robinson Crusoe. Um, oh, blimey. Oh, what's that other one? Um, Little White Horses, is it? Or Little something? White Horses, oh. yeah. But that was more sort of like the um, summer holiday TV stuff. I don't remember oh, seeing yeah, right. Saturday you're morning right, pictures, yeah. but st- that's, that's another conversation another day. That sort of stuff that we used to watch during the summer holidays. There was great, you know, sort of stuff that you'd never, ever see again. But honestly, Stephen, it's a different era that's long gone. And as, as Mark pointed out, the multiplexes probably contributed to its you know its death along with the saturday morning tv but but saying that i mean there is no such saturday morning pictures as such now but the local multiplex here does screen a kids movie at 10 o'clock on a saturday morning they call it kids club or something like that yeah but parents go right the parents go and it's yeah you don't just leave the kids there yeah the the local picture house um which is that sort of more chain of a bit more cultured uh, yes. cinema that they try to have um, they, they have the, the kids club but like like you've just said it's not just you know you throw your kids through uh, some doors and, and walk away and leave them <laughs> it's now you, you can't leave your, your kids unattended can you um, so it is a different vibe entirely to, to that chaos and abandonment well, then, that you 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 had in your youth there is an equivalent it's the um the odeon do the silver screen on a wednesday which is for the over 50s this is where you look oh, yeah, they're terrible you, yeah. no he goes i've told this story on other podcasts it is worse <laughs> than going to the cinema with a room full of kids they are uh, yeah don't stop talking throughout hey what's he yeah, saying exactly oh, sweet remember him from so and so yep yeah. My my parents are that age, and they tell me stories of going to the cinema and say, "Oh yeah, we take some sandwiches." I goes, "What yeah. sort of sandwiches? Egg mayonnaise." <laughs> I said, "So you open up a box of egg mayonnaise sandwich in a in a small, you know, in a relatively yeah. confined space Flask with of loads tea. of people sitting yeah. around? Yeah, why not?" <laughs> like, oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> at least it doesn't make a noise, I guess, you know. No. That's the at least it's in crisps or something. It is worse. But also, Mark, there was I was trying to remember some sort of specific memories of, of Saturday morning pictures. Occasionally, Stephen, what would happen is somebody would come up on the stage because there were stages at the old cinemas, you know, stage mm-hmm. areas. And there would be competitions. Kids would be called up to do some sort of fun game or quiz. And it would normally be just a couple of bags of sweets or something like that. And occasionally, you know, things like the local winner of the, you know, the Miss Whatever Talent Contest or the Carnival Queen would appear or something. You know, <laughs> nobody would play so blind. Weird. Yeah. So weird. Nobody I do remember when they did that stuff, that was when it got really noisy because no one was interested. No, no. So it was like everyone was shouting at each other. Yeah. I do remember that. Running over uh, the aisles, <laughs> you know, climbing over the seats. It was, it was. Yeah. Um, but when we look back, you're, you're going to say the same as me, the same as most people do. Great days, great memories. Yeah, you know? fun, fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they, were, they weren't great films. Uh, but Flash Golden was the exception. I, I was never a particular fan of Woody Woodpecker. I don't mind Chilly Willy so much. Uh, sounds like a condition, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but some of the films were well ropey. I do remember mm. that. Uh, but you still watched them because you, you were there, right? Oh, you had to. I mean, it was, it was the highlight of the... The, the schedule that that particular morning you know it's going to be the longest time you'd have to sit was like this 55 minutes because yeah, everything yeah. else was relatively short you know these cartoons these serials i think um, oh and they never absolutely never ever told you what the bill was ever no you had to just go in and sit there yep. so you never no. knew what was going to come yeah great days i'll tell you what we'll do let's take a short break i've selected two almost at random um of the Children's Film Foundation's output for us to talk about, mainly because they were on this box set that I bought recently, but one of the many that the BFI have brought out. There are more famous examples of of what the Children's Film Foundation were doing, but we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Mr Horatio Nibbles and the battle for Billy's Pond. See you in a second. Are you ready, Uncle Ernie? Right, let's go. We come along. Saturday morning, greeting everybody with a smile. We come along on Saturday morning, knowing it's well worthwhile. As members of the GP club, we all intend to be good citizens when we grow up and champions of the free. We come along. On Saturday morning, greeting everybody with a smile, 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 greeting everybody with a smile. Okay, guys, so what we're going to be reviewing very briefly amongst, you know, a general chat about Children's Film Foundation. First up, The Battle of Billy's Pond from 1976. Directed by a guy called Harley Cokeless, who was quite quite famous in the Children's Film Foundation world as a director, starring Ben Buckton, Andrew Ashby, the famous faces we may recognise here, Derek Ware, Talfrin Thomas, Miriam Margolis, a young Linda Robson, people like that. And also Jeffrey Palmer. Jeffrey Palmer well. made a very, very quick welcome very appearance, yeah. And the other one, a few years before, Mr. Horatio Nibbles, which was released in 1971, directed by Robert Hurd. Let's think of the famous faces. Who have we got in this one? Bernard Horsfall, David Lodge, Freddie Jones, Lila Kay. 
Um, but the star is a young girl called Leslie Roach and Mr. Horatio Nibbles, who is the world's scariest rabbit, is Anthony <laughs> Shepherd. Mark, I'm just going to quickly turn to Stephen first again here. You've gone into these fairly blind, you know, knowing that, okay, you've seen a couple of children's film foundation stuff. What on earth did you think of these two movies, just as a general overview, mate? You say you picked them at random. I think you'd, I think, give you a bit more credit. I think you've um, picked two that really cover the the range mm. of what the Children's Film Foundation seems to have, from a, a newbie's point of view, seems to have covered. You've got ones that are a bit more sort of the daring do of the sort of kids thwarting the the scheming of some some adults uh, nefariously up to to no good and then on the other side it's a bit more the sort of fantasy more childlike imaginary friend type type thing um so there's the the they are two different bases but do cover the the range and i think horatio nibbles i mean i can't help looking at it and anybody who goes and looks at the stills (laughs) um or just you see pictures from the from the past of of like um, children sat on Santa's knee or things Halloween like this uh, from the like 30s. The Victorian times, mm. and you think you think, you know, that's scary. What what you know? How did that just not scare children? But, uh, but apparently this this didn't. It, it's very Scarfoot Council um, is A Horatio Nibbles in, in his appearance. But yeah, um, it certainly you know it captures. Okay, a bit more middle class, um, both of them in in a certain way, but um, <laughs> it, it's certainly covering the, the gamut of what your film, you've, the films you've got, and there is some peril in there the, to the storylines. There there is some humour in there, particularly in innovation on levels, and it's not completely twee and without any substance to it. It actually does have something more to it that you can see that there's people cutting in there cutting their teeth and i don't just mean the the large teeth of the the the, the lead um lead young lady in oh, yeah, look more like a rabbit than mr nibbles did yeah. yeah um she she does look a lot like my niece i tell you but um yeah i think that the this they have two very good examples and if people were gonna dip in to try and just get an idea of uh, children's film foundation these two i think would give people a, a, a good insight into what the whole thing was about mm. and we do see faces in there that we um, we recognize from other things and whether that was at the start of their careers or whether they were doing it for scale because they were already established and they were um sort of giving back a bit i don't know and uh, at what levels various people were at but once i'd got past the the initial of just thinking well harish noble particularly of thinking what's this <laughs> and then uh, then get you know turning your mind into actually watching it as a child, I'm sure. It settles um, into it, a kid's it, film, it did, doesn't it? it yeah, it, it, it is absolutely a, a, a kid's film. And, and The Battle for Billy's Pond, as I say, has a bit more substance into it anyway, because it's a bit more of a, less of a um, a film that's done, just played for, for pure entertainment um, in that sense. But very much you can see that there's something different to these films, to what there was with maybe a lot of other children's films. Yeah. In that this was a, a these were films that were made to be made not just to to uh, directed with having kids in them, but they're actually meant to uh, appeal to children and actually not necessarily talk down to them so much. Yeah. And and make them feel like they were that they could identify 
with the the kids, I think, in a way. So they weren't so, quite so Disney-fied, you know, in a way, where with the adults were leading all of the action and the kids were sort of barreling along. This, these were a bit of a different ilk. So well, the adults um, definitely take second second place here, take the back seat, don't they? Definitely, the kids are the focus. In that's the absolutely focus right. Yeah. Mark, I think Stevens brought up a quite a relevant point here. There are the two sort of distinct genres that I remember. One is the fantasy one, but I remember more like Stephen mentioned that the kids thwarting the the gang of crooks. That seemed to be a big thing, didn't it? Yeah, there was a lot of that, and the double deckers would do that too, right? Um, but you saw that in a lot of kids' things, like even Scooby Doo and stuff. <laughs> it kind of does that kind of thing. Uh, there was definitely a lot of that. Uh, but yeah, kids were always the focus of these. Feel, the ones I can remember, there's mm. always kids up to malarkey yes. of some sort, and often crooks would come into it. But sometimes it was just some, you know, horrible person, some town, you know, misery that yeah. they were kind of dealing yeah. with. Uh, it was. It was this one. You know, the Battle for Billy's Pond is more of an, an, a green theme, isn't it? A bit more environmental. Mm. It always tended to be something like crooks robbing a race course or you know something like that and the kids would be the ones that would get together and do a bit ealing comedy almost you know when they would get yeah, together yeah. Uh, had you seen either of these two have you got any memories of these two before watching them this one um i thought i hadn't the only one the ones i could remember before i watched these that i that i could remember mm. was calamity the cow which is from the 60s wow. but I watched a bit on YouTube and I was shocked to see it was black and white because I remember it vividly in mm. colour, which yeah. is weird. Yeah. Uh, so I obviously misremember it completely. And one called Glitterball, I kind of rings the bell, but I might have seen that one. later. Yeah, that's like, a as part one. of a TV viewing. Saying that, Mister Horatio Nibbles seemed very familiar. Yeah. So I think I may have seen it. Not. I. I can't remember. I mean, the, the Battle for Billy's Pond has just sort of melded itself together with all of those other kids battling other things type movies yeah mr horatio nibbles i don't know i don't know if i'd seen it before i'm glad i watched both of them because i don't know about you guys watching them through adult size i wasn't bored at all because they're very punchy because they've got to get this all in in 55 minutes and then as you said mark as well there isn't a great deal of script because you know the environment they were supposed to be watched in you you wouldn't have been able yeah. to focus too it's much on it. A bit of slapstick and you know silly things happening and that kind of work. Mister Nibbles, I thought was yeah. I don't. I didn't get bored with either. No, uh, Mister Nibbles reminded me a bit of a few other films from the era. Mm. It reminded me quite strongly, probably because of the big rabbit. Of um, there was an Alice in Wonderland version that was scored by John Barry of all people with Fiona Ooh. Fullerton. Well, I think Is it Peter I could Sellers be wrong. Peter was, Sellers, yeah. Yeah, everybody was, was in it. Peter Sellers was the rabbit, I'm pretty sure. Th- Michael Horden was like the Dormouse or somebody, and it was all oh, those yeah, sort so of who's guys, who? wasn't it? Yeah, remember but It that. reminded me of that, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what I was getting sort of vibes of, Stephen, even though it's a completely different movie. Last week, we did our Christmas um, edition, Mark, and we did The Amazing Mr. Blunden, which obviously, you know, a bit more money thrown at it, a bit of a bigger production. Yeah. But did you sort I of get... I've shared an axe here. <laughs> Sorry? She had an actor, though. Oh, who was in either of them? Oh, David Lodge was in both. David Lodge. Oh. David Lodge, is he the dad? He, he was in uh, in Horatio Nibbles. He was... Um, the sergeant. The, the sergeant. And then oh, yeah, he was, he's a famous face. But then he was the... the a lot of Peter the, Sellers the movies. in Mr. Blunden. He was okay. the... Um, oh, yeah, He was very the, the drunken boxer. Mm. Punch drunk boxer. Yeah. Well, look, while we're on the subject of actors, 
I can hear your rustling papers there. Get your keys. Let's open up the Village Hall of Fame. I'm, I didn't think there'd be anybody sort of threatening the Village Hall of Fame this week, but I'm sure you're going to tell me that I'm wrong, mate. Let's have a wander down to the Village Hall of Fame. Okay, Stephen, who's in, who's out, who's who's waiting at the door? Well, it's, it's really only people from Horatio Nibbles. There was mm. nobody from Billy Pond, Billy Pond. But, yeah, we've got a couple of, of second appearances, including uh, Freddie Jones and, and Bernard Horsfall. Um, unfortunately, this is only the, the, the first appearance from Roy Barrowclough. But, you know, maybe oh, we'll yeah. see more of him in future. Yeah, of course. There's a guy called Maurice Bush mm. who... He's due to the unique way in which we record the sequencing <laughs> yeah, of okay. these episodes, mm-hmm. and this will be his third appearance, um, even though it, it, we, we yet to record the episode. <laughs> that is, curiously enough, he was also not that we're going to review it on here, but he was actually in um, Empire Strikes Back as, as Dengar, that. one of the bounty hunters, all yeah. wrapped up in bandages next to yeah. next to Boba Fett. But and David Lodge, as I said, he was in the Amazing Mr. London yeah. as well as Legal Gentleman. And uh, Private's Progress, which has come out before this episode. So, yes, we've got a a newbie into the Hall of Fame through Maurice Bush and and David Lodge. wasn't expecting a great deal of that. No, well, this is it. it, You're looking at the people and there's some faces you might think are are, are familiar from some things. But having the the repetition with regards to um, actual films rather than TV stuff, I think, is key. But the, this is just because of these, the ones that you picked, as you've identified already. There's a massive load of people that could have ended up um, oh, blimey. coming in yeah. because of the, the, the quality of people who got involved in the Children's Film Foundation over its long history. There was some very notable people who, um, as we said, um, either lent their services when they were already well established or, um, or this was their stamping ground to come about. And particularly, I think, from what I read, opportunities for uh, female film directors and, and stuff. Yeah. They, they, they took a bit of an advantage. And it, it certainly seems from a few people who cut their teeth doing some of the kitchen sink stuff that we're reviewing, um, some of those people got involved in it as well, which, you know, brought that realism. So, but no, they're the only ones from the hall of, for the, yeah. to bother the Hall of Fame at the moment. I imagine a couple of them might appear again elsewhere in future. For the moment, that's all there is. It's well, more than I expected as well. That's, that's quite a few. Listen to this. You're talking about stars that cut their teeth and made their debuts in these productions. Mark as well, listen to this, mate. People that made their debuts or, you know, some of their very first performances. Carol White from... Um, uh, oh, Ken Loach. Yeah, silly cow, is it? Poor cow. And st- oh, what's the home? Poor cow. Kathy, it. come home. <laughs> Kathy, come home. Carol White. Oh, okay. Yeah, Richard O'Sullivan. Robin's Nest, Man About the House. Yeah, I remember seeing yeah. him. He was in one of the carry-ons as well, wasn't he? I a carry-on he teacher. Yes, he was as a kid. Yeah. Yes. He was, yeah. Okay, as a child, 1957, David Hemmings in Five Clues to Fortune. Wow. 
Michael Crawford, 1958 Soapbox Derby. That's a famous one. That's that's a famous one. And Blow I Your Own Trumpet one. in 59. Yeah. Francesca Ennis in The Cat Gang. Fraser Hines. <laughs> Peril for the guy. And I know why you're chuckling, Steve, and I'll talk about that in a second. And Dennis Waterman as a child actor as well cut his teeth on the Children's Film Foundation. But then even... Going into the 60s, Judy Geese and Susan George. Calamity the Cow, you mentioned earlier. <laughs> Phil Collins was in it. Phil Collins, yes. Yeah, you can tell it's him. He's got hair. <laughs> He's got hair. And then you had later, <laughs> later stages, you had the people, you know, like Phil Daniels and Keith Chegwin and Leslie Ash. Well, we had Linda and, Robson in one Sadie of these, Sadie Frost didn't we? and stuff like this. So, yeah. yeah. Dexter yeah. Fletcher. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, there was some... You know, Gary Kemp, I think, was in one of them as well. Yeah, so and a lot of those people also turned out to be like Bugsy Malone too, didn't they? They did. Yeah, yeah. like Dexter Fletcher for them. Yeah. But then the film, the the actual, you know, as you, Scott was saying, that sort of directing side. Yeah, you've got the 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 Powell and, and Pressburger, but you know, Gerald yeah. Thomas and, and stuff like that that got involved in. Tibby Clark, who we were talking a couple of episodes about, mm, and his, his influence. Yeah. He, he, you know, he. he um, got involved in some bits as well. There was some, that you know, it was a for something that was that was created as a bit of a, a, an idealistic thing to begin with. I think it it certainly achieved a, a massive um, impact. It might have been the only thing that was keeping the British film industry afloat at some point. When you think about it, yeah. you know, you know, we weren't knocking out a great deal of movies at one point in the sixties and the seventies, were we? You know, definitely. Well, it's probably why we see some of these famous faces that we do see. You know, Bernard Cribbins would often crop up in these, and and um, as you said, Jeffrey Palmer, a welcome addition. You know, seeing Jeff Jeffrey Palmer in one of these movies today, bless him. We're not gonna, we're not going to dissect these movies as we said, but a general overview. I mean, has it brought back any? Sort of happy memories for the pair of you going back and watching these two. Yeah, a little. It, it definitely reminded me of our, certainly Mr. Nibbles for some reason reminded me of lots of other films of mm. that era. Yeah. Um, I think it, the film stock and the way it was done kind of did. And it's a weird story in it, like an invisible rabbit. What is mm. it's like Harvey and Donnie Darko, the only yeah. other two films I can think of with that, exactly. uh, which is uh, quite a contrast. <laughs> yeah, I did have those two uh, in mind when I watched it as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's nothing. Um, it's, it's, yeah, but the. It reminded me of, uh, I'll tell you one film that really reminded me of Mr. Ration it was, was the Wombles movie. Because uh, of the, not only. Man in a suit, yeah. Big things in outfits. <laughs> it's, it was the same film stock and same vibe and everything. I can, I can see that. that. That has come back from the deep recesses of my mind, the Wombles movie. My God, yeah, completely forgotten about that ever existing. I mean, even things at the beginning, Mark, the. Um, the certification screen that comes up at the beginning, oh, the BBFC yeah, that was thing class. with Lord Harley. And it was a proper seventies <laughs> one. You remember how they always were? Oh yes. Yeah. But somewhat what was it? Someone used to sign them. Lord oh, Harley, um, wasn't it back then? I think Yeah, yeah. Harley. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> the I will, I just gotta say though, the dad, the dad it was bugging me. I was saying, I know that the dad from Mr. Nibbles from somewhere, mm. I couldn't place it. And in the end it came to me, it was uh, on a well, I think I Googled it. I'm I'm lying to say it just came to me. He was <laughs> In, on Her Majesty's Secret Service as um, I thought it was Bill Campbell but in fact it's credited as Sean Campbell in the movie is who Bernard, is 006 is this Bernard Horsfall I can't remember his name who's the dad yeah, right. yeah. Bernard Horsfall yeah. Yeah. both of you will know him being Doctor Who fans 
Oh, Patrick Trout on the War Games. He's one of the very first other Time Lords we meet on Gallifrey. Uh, I haven't seen that one. I'm uh, working for him, but uh, I haven't seen right. that one. Okay, when you get to the Gallifrey sequence, because obviously it's the one where Doctor Who's revealed to be a Time Lord, yeah. Bernard Horsfall is one of the Time Lords. He also makes an appearance in Pertwee's era as well, and like in Planet of the Daleks. He plays a Thal in Planet of the Daleks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I bet a lot of actors from yeah. the children appeared in who in fact there was there was one i was gonna i can't remember which one it was i was gonna say yeah he's from doctor who mm. oh fraser hines fraser hines right there you go he was jamie from doctor who yeah hold that thought we've got something to, uh, to chat yeah. about in a second i'm gonna leave it there at the moment because i don't want to get bogged down as i say in in trying to dissect these two movies that although are classics in their own right you know and have brought back a lot of happy memories i just wanted to do a general overview and yeah. You know, I mean, if we were to rate them, I'd still give them four stars out of five because I enjoyed myself watching them. I was having a laugh. But what we're going to do, let's take a short break because, Mark, we'd love for you to come back. And as I sort of selected these, you've chosen Melody in the past and that will be the day. We're going to let Stephen choose a movie. Okay. And hopefully see you in a few months' time. Take a break. We'll be back after this. children's film foundation i think we might come back to this either with you mark or me me and you Stephen. you know pick up on another one that may be a bit more familiar because there are stuff you know that does still need to be spoken about like mark mentioned the glitter ball or the powell and pressburger the man who turned the boy who turned yellow 
um, or even you know early appearances for Phil Collins and people like that, just to just to have a little yeah. look. Yeah, I'll tell you one I really remember quite distinctly mm. is one called the Johnstown Monster. It's a kind of like monster story. I really quite like that. that when I could, saw it as a kid. That's another one that sort of that, sticks right. There you go. We could come back to that because things like this, Stephen, when we're struggling for Christmas movies, they they, they sort of fit a little bit because they're. Well, know. I'm hoping they've got something for Easter. Well, we could have used Horatio Nibbles, couldn't we? we could have done, yeah. There is a, but there no. is um there is one for Guy Fawkes. There is one about you know battle for the guy, penny for the guy or something. It's called, I think. You know. Anyway, Stephen, you've been racking your brain for something to choose for the three of us to talk about next time we're together. And what I did, I threw a few sort of suggestions your way as to what road to go down. Yes. And Mark, before Stephen reveals this, can I just say he's come up with a blinder? Okay. Okay, though. I, I think you'll approve. Scared. I'm scared. I think no. I think you'll approve on I every love, level. I love the tension. <laughs> well, Steven, yeah. Maybe maybe it is scary for you. Maybe you'll be hiding behind the sofa. It's interesting segue from the conversation we just had, actually. But yes, I was given a few pointers by, by Scott with regards to the direction to go, and it occurred to me that this might be within your wheelhouse um, as something you, you might want to see. It's from 1965 a British science fiction starring Peter Cushing um, oh. Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Who and the Daleks oh awesome great <laughs> good I'm glad that was the reaction yeah. this is why we were sort of chuckling every time Fraser Hines was mentioned and things like, we, oh Doctor Who's coming up in a bit Doctor Who and we're good <laughs> oh you, you hit know, that you one so um, I watched one I try and watch one epi- one not story of Doctor Who a week uh, and I'm st- Still in the Hartnell one, but I'm coming towards the end. What are you up to um, at the moment, mate? So you're well, still like, I, I pa- pa- Planet of the Giants? I, I, uh, no, further. Uh, I got to the 10th planet, but only oh. because I didn't have the originals or even reconstructions of several of the se- season three episodes. But I've just yeah. found them. I've just managed to acquire them. So mm. I'm going to go back, back into the series. And I think the last one I watched that wasn't the 10th planet was, oh, man. Massacre? Oh. One of the dark no, one of the, no. I had to skip a lot. I'm trying to think of the last four. Hold on, I've got. I, I'm really sad. I keep all this written down. Give me a second. No, I'm, I'm, uh, but I'm it was not. it was season three. It was a season three William Hartnell one, and mm. it was great. Great podcast in this. Great podcast. Right. This is a good editor at the other end of this microphone. Okay, yeah, give me a second. <laughs> How familiar are you with the William Hartnell stuff, Stephen? Because it's you you like Doctor Who the same as us? No? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I you know I was a, a, a Whovian since before it, it relaunched. Yeah. Um, so that's that's Classic something I can I can claim. Go on. But uh, the earliest stuff, black and white stuff, was the stuff that was less repeated. So mm. I'd seen less often. Yeah. Although I have seen a few bits and pieces since oh. then, but I'm, I don't have quite the the in depth knowledge of of the pair of oh, you on the early stuff. What what is it? Right, the last full one I watched was the Time Meddler. uh, Oh, with the Meddling Monk, who I wish every time they have a new season of the drama, I was thinking maybe the Meddling Monk will come back in this one, Uh, and it never does. He Um, came back in one. Did he? Oh, oh, no, he did, but not. It it was a brief appearance in the feast of stephen which was the only oh, christmas that. one they did in the classic era now yeah i didn't know that that mm. i didn't know but he does come back in another later 
William Hart, the one. Um, and then I moved on to the Dalek Master Plan, plan but mm. I only had three episodes of that. Yeah. But I have since uncovered reconstructions, which won't be great, but they mm. are reconstructions of the full... The Dalek Master Plan is a quite a long one. That's 12, um, isn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm going to go back to the Dalek's master plan which I think the meddling monk also appears in oh right okay. no that's it yeah there, there was the Christmas day episode was called the feast of Stephen and it was a bit of oh, a knockabout one where they go to um, 1930s Hollywood and they land in a police station so obviously the police box <laughs> and, and there's this bit of a, it's, it's a comedy it's, it's the one that's famous for William Hartnell breaking the fourth wall and wishing everybody at home a Merry Christmas and it's the only oh, episode nice. that they are convinced that they will have no chance of ever finding ever uh, because it was shame. yeah because it was this special Christmas day one that they put out in 63 4 or whatever 64 uh, okay anyway I'll, I'll, I'll cut all that out however so. yeah it's, you know, obviously the film with the film, two films with Peter Cushing in are, are not canon as such other because it's a reimagining and, and reworking of the whole, you know, the time, you know. Yeah. Time no, travel, the stories are relatively so faithful. Sort of, sort of it, they've, they've got, they've sort of offered a, a bit of a, an angle from it rather than them being part of the ongoing story, but still, um, it's. I think it's worth us doing, um, oh, definitely, and, and 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 talking about Doctor Who in more general terms as well, because I think we're all we're all enough of fans <laughs> of, of it to be able to um, probably not have a a short episode, um, considering <laughs> what we, we all uh, have enough to say. Some about. big budget Doctor Who again. It's is it's Bernard Cribbins in this one, or is it Roy Castle in the first one? Uh, Roy uh, Castle with the first one, Bernard Cribbins in the second. That's it, yeah. And um, it's, yeah, because he's not a time lord, isn't he? He's, he's a he's a human inventor, isn't he? Uh, they sort of reimagine it ever so slightly in this. Uh, whose name is literally Doctor Who? It's Doctor Who. Him Doctor yes. Who. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Obviously, we'll we'll get together and we'll come up with a time and a place to record that. Um, well, <laughs> oh, a relative, so, a re- <laughs> relative dimension in time and space, shall we? It will happen. It will be the. We're recording this just in the run up to Christmas, guys. So this episode is probably going to go out. I don't know, end of January, February time. So who knows when it will see the light of day? But who Mark, knows? Mark, who knows? Oh God, here he goes. He's off. Mark, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Time. Thank you for having me. Lots it was, of memories. Uh, it was a yeah. lot of fun watching. I did enjoy these two movies, uh, and it's been fun sort of uh, talking about them and Saturday morning pictures, right? Fantastic. Now, Mark has got the most amazing podcast that people think I put out a few podcasts. Mark, you must chuck something out every week. Uh, twice a week twice um, a week yeah some, uh, sometimes it's slowed up a little but mm. I definitely put out um, I alternate I have a main podcast which is the good the bad and the odd which mm-hmm. is about all sorts of usually movies usually when we're talking about one thing it's a movie but sometimes we run episodes called the comfy chair yes. where we just talk about all sorts and that could be board games and video games and mm-hmm. books and comics we just talk about that what we do that like once a month every fourth episode we kind of do that try and do that uh, and we've got some long running sort of strands at the minute we're doing hammer we're running through hammer Excellent. at the minute uh, and we're also running through James Bond, and we just finished the um, the Pierce Brosnan era, so we're moving into the uh, the miserable Daniel Craig era. <laughs> Next, uh, <laughs> um, but we do other stuff. And my other podcast, which is part of the same stream, I, I do keep them all under one stream. 
however you can have the second podcast on its own stream too it's called anthologic and mm. what i do there is talk about anthology tv so um i have long running um sort of strands on the big anthology shows which i consider to be the hour limits the twilight zone mm. and night gallery uh, uh, and alternate that with like one-off episodes about particular anthology tv mm. shows you know things like um uh, tales from the unexpected stuff oh, like that which, yeah. which you appeared on right indeed, indeed, um, yeah. uh, um uh, man there are so many anthology tv oh, shows i didn't you realize until i keep finding them yeah. i keep thinking i've found them all and then i find five more it's just on an off comment in a yeah. book yeah. yeah until i started listening to your show i just thought you know there was the big three or four you know but you must have found dozens and dozens. That, and every, uh, I think 80 so far. <laughs> count. It's a good job you're not reviewing every episode of every season of everything, mate, because you would be going for years and years and years. if, it, if Well, you know. I, I'm calling this, my, the current show is in season one, and mm. I'm trying to go through not just the big three. I do do the big three more mm. consistently, but I'm trying to go through episode one or the first available episode of every single show and that will be season one and i think it's just season one will be a five-year project it's, there you go is how i feel i like a man with a plan I like that <laughs> Mark, thank it'll you. outlive me i'm sure <laughs> the great thing that i've sort of dipped in a little bit with some of your stuff and um you've got far too much for me to be able to to know it all but the great thing is it's the, there's a combination of 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 knowledge but also the great enthusiasm that you yeah. bring to whatever subject you're talking about so um so credit to you to you there this is why we have him um, as a guest mate make makes us look you know less enthusiastic about everything it's great <laughs> well it's that hint of professionalism bringing in that's, some that's the some form of ta- talent to offset me yeah so. <laughs> mark thanks once again for being here mate we'll see you hopefully very very soon Stephen, a big thank you to you as well, mate, for being here this morning. Yeah, take care, guys. See you both soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Take care. Positive shower. Good luck. Thank you.
bring the British end up, sir. Ha, ha, ha.